Section 32 of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales translated by Helena Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section 32. Slack times, they sleep, by S. Libin. Despite the fact of the winter nights being long and dark as the Jewish exile, the Becklins go to bed at dusk. But you may as well know that when it is dusk outside in the street, the Becklins are already way on in the night, because they live in a basement separated from the rest of the world by an air-shaft, and when the sun gathers his beams round him before setting, the first to be summoned are those down the Brecklin's air-shaft, because of the time required for them to struggle out again. The same thing in the morning, only reversed. People don't usually get up, if they can help it, before it is really light, and so it comes to pass that when other people have left their beds and are going about their business, the Brecklins are still asleep, and making the long, long night longer yet. If you ask me, how is it they don't wear their sides out lying in bed, I shall reply, they do rise with aching sides. And if you say, how can people be so lazy? I can tell you they don't do it out of laziness, and they lie awake a great deal of the time. What's the good of lying in bed if one isn't asleep? There you have it in a nutshell. It's a question of the economic conditions. The Brecklins are very poor. Their life is a never-ending struggle with poverty, and they have come to the conclusion that the cheapest way of waging it, and especially in winter, is to lie in bed under a great heap of old clothes and rags of every description. Brecklin is a house-painter, and from Christmas to Purim, Lahavdil, work is dreadfully slack. When you're not earning a crooked penny, what are you to do? In the first place, you must live on cash, that is, on the few dollars scraped together and put by during the season. And in the second place, you must cut down on your domestic expenses, otherwise the money won't hold out, and then you might as well keep your teeth in a drawer. But you may neither eat nor drink, nor live at all to mention. If it's winter, the money goes all the same. It's bitterly cold, and you can't do without the stove, and the nights are long, and you want a lamp. And the Brecklins saw that their money would not hold out till Purim, that their Ta'anis Esther, their fast of Esther, would be too long. Coal was beyond them, and kerosene as dear as wine, and yet how could they possibly spend less? How could they do without a fire when it was so cold, without a lamp when it was so dark? And the Brecklins had an idea. Why sit up at night and watch the stove and the lamp burning away their money, when they might get into bed, bury themselves in rags, and defy both poverty and cold? There is nothing in particular to do, anyhow. Why should there be, 
a long winter evening through. Nothing. They only sat and poured out the bitterness of their heart, one upon the other, quarrelled and scolded. They could do that in bed just as well, and save the firing and light into the bargain. So, at the first approach of darkness, the bed was made ready for Mr. Brecklin, and his wife put to sleep their only three-year-old child. Avremla did not understand why he was put to bed so early, but he asked no questions. The room began to feel cold, and the poor thing was glad to nestle deep into the bed-coverings. The lamp and the fire were extinguished, the stove would soon go out of itself, and the Brecklin family slept. They slept, and fought against poverty by lying in bed. It was waging cheap warfare. Having had his first sleep out, Brecklin turns to his wife. What do you suppose the time to be now, Judith?" Judith listens attentively. It must be past eight o'clock, she says. What makes you think so? asked Brecklin. Don't you hear the clatter of knives and forks? Well, to do folks of having supper. We used to have supper about this time in the Tsisin, said Brecklin, and he gave a deep sigh of longing. We shall soon forget the good times altogether, said Judith, and the husband and wife set sail once more for the land of dreams. A few hours later Brecklin awakes with a groan. What's the matter? inquires Judith. My sides ache with lying. Mine too, says Judith, and they both begin yawning. What o'clock would it be now? wonders Brecklin, and Judith listens again. About ten o'clock, she tells him. No later? I don't believe it. It must be a great deal later than that. Well, listen for yourself, persists Judith, and you'll hear the housekeeper upstairs scolding somebody. She's putting out the gas in the hall. Ay, vey is mere. How the night drags, sighs Brecklin, and turns over on his other side. Judith goes on talking, but as much to herself as to him. Upstairs they are still all alive, and we are asleep in bed. Vais mir, vais mir, sighs Brecklin over and over, and once more there is silence. The night wears on. Are you asleep? asks Brecklin suddenly. I wish I were. Who could sleep through such a long night? I'm lying awake and racking my brains. What over? asks Brecklin, interested. I'm trying to think, explains Judith, what we can have for dinner tomorrow that will cost nothing, and yet be satisfying. Ay, vais mir, sighs Brecklin again, and is at a loss what to advise. I wonder, this time it is Judith, what o'clock it is now. 
"'It will soon be morning,' is Brecklin's opinion. "'Morning? Nonsense!' Judith knows better. "'It must be morning soon,' he holds to it. "'You are very anxious for the morning,' says Judith good-naturedly. "'And so you think it will soon be here. And I tell you, it's not midnight yet.' "'What are you talking about? You don't know what you're saying. I shall go out of my mind.' "'You know,' says Judith, that Avramla always wakes up at midnight and cries, and he's still fast asleep. No, Mama, comes from under Avramla's heat of rags. Come to me, my beauty. So he was awake after all. And Judith reaches out her arms for the child. Perhaps he's cold, says Brecklin. Are you cold, Jingler? asks Judith. Cold, Mama," replies Avremla. Judith wraps the coverlets closer and closer round him, and presses him to her side. And the night wears on. Oh, my sides! Groans Brecklin. Mine too," moans Judith, and they start another conversation. This time they discuss their neighbours. Another time the Brecklins try to calculate how long it is since they married, and how much they spend a week on an average, and what was the cost of Judith's confinement. It is seldom they calculate anything right, but talking helps to while away time till the basement begins to lighten, whereupon the Brecklins jump out of bed as though it were some perilous hiding-place, and set to work in a great hurry to kindle the stove. End of Slack Times They Sleep by S. Libin